This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Invest Talk. It is Wednesday, November 18, 2020, and I know everybody is anxious about things. We had a pretty volatile day. I noticed that the volatility was down just the last hour. Well, no, that was kind of interesting. Of course, the pandemic is still with us and growing, but also we have a vaccine that's coming out almost with, within weeks, a vaccine that's 95% effective. Two vaccines, matter of fact, not just one. So there's a race going on, vaccine infections. And I don't know if you noticed, but if you really look at the details, and you don't really get a lot of details on the news, but if you look at the details, over 80%, 80% of those people who get COVID have no or very little symptoms. And the death rate has fallen steeply. So they have better treatments now. They know what to do better. Doesn't mean that people are still not dying and it's still a tragedy. It is. I'm just saying that there are really good signs that we're going to get on top of this. I'm, I'm convinced of that. We'll be on top of this by this time next year. I think it's going to be just a footnote story. You know, that it'll still be maybe around, but no one's really worried about it. Anyways, that's certainly causing a lot of uncertain times now, though, right today. So, what are you going to do? What are we all going to do? It's certainly uh, infecting the market. I mean, good and bad, right? I mean, when you talk about a vaccine, the market kind of likes that. But then it looks at the number of cases uh, exploding across the country, and the market doesn't like that. So, that's what we're dealing with. A lot of uncertainty still. But it's getting resolved. I mean, we're getting a resolution. It's just taking a little time to figure this out. But what should you do? Okay, how do you prepare for it? What do you, you know, the volatility, should you worry about it? How do you compensate for it? Do you know I'm Steve Peasley, and today in this program, I will do my best to provide unbiased answers to those kinds of questions. What should we all do? And you know, I know you want some strategies and some ideas as well, and we'll try to do our best to answer any of those kind of things. But the lines are now open, 888-99-CHART. This is a live show. Your calls are important. 888-99-CHART. So what did the market do today? Well, not very good. As I said, it was the last hour that it really fell apart. The Dow fell 344 points. It was up in the morning. The Nasdaq fell 98, and the SP fell 41. So a down day for the market. Um, and, you know, it was all in the last hour. I just think people gave up. I, I don't know why. You know, if you if you look at the too closely, if you look at the market day to day to day and it upsets you, you that's not how you're going to be a successful investor. You can't look at it day to day to day and get worried about it. Should I sell my stocks? Should I be in stocks? If that's who you are, you probably should reduce the risk so you don't have to worry about it. Reduce your exposure to stocks. Okay, so anyways, we got a lot of things to do today. What do you guys want to talk about? It's your show. You can call anytime you want. So give me a call. 888-99-SHART. Hi, Steve and Justin. This is John from Pennsylvania. I'm just calling to get your thoughts on TK Tankers, uh, ticker symbol TNK. Obviously, it's in a little iffy industry, but the balance sheet looks 
very good to me. Yeah. So I did buy at around ten dollars and twenty cents. So I just wanted to see if you guys think that was a smart buy and if I should hold or what are your thoughts on the company in general? Thanks, guys. Okay, it's a ten dollar eighty one cent stock. T K T E K E Y T E E two E's K E Y Tankers Limited. It is a pretty small company, three hundred sixty four million. So when you're dealing with that small of a company, it means you you can equate that with volatility. And this stock has been pretty volatile over the years. I mean, back in two thousand fifteen, the stock price was sixty eight dollars. Now it's ten dollars and eighty cents. 2016, it made $3.84 a share. This year, they're going to make five forty, dollars but next year, they're only going to make $0.65. Cents. These are the problem with these tankers. Their earnings are everywhere, all over the place, up, down, sideways. So you can't, you, you have to, they are very, the P-E ratio is 1 to 110. So it's super volatile, these kind of things. And, you know, it's, you might get a good trade at it. I mean, I could see this moving back up to the $14, $15 area. So you might get a good trade, but this is not something I would hold on forever. It's not. This is, might be a trading situation. But that's about it. You're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley. We are moving quickly through the fourth quarter. I mean, we're halfway through, more than halfway through the fourth quarter. The holiday season will be here soon, next week. My favorite holiday of the year. The market is still exhibiting volatility. You know, I just think we're going to deal with it a little bit more. I don't think it's over, but it's going to get better next year. It is. So, what can we help you with strategies? What can we help you with some ideas? Give me a call. Ask your questions. 888-99-CHART. We're live. Riskalyze. It's a brief question and answer form that you fill out online. Steve Peasley and Justin Klein will also get a copy of your responses. They can use the Riskalyze results to help you formulate a strategy that fits your investing risk tolerance. Learn more anytime and take the Riskalyze quiz at investtalk.com. 888-99 chart. My focus point today concerns a story home builder confidence in november we had some numbers out we're gonna have some more numbers out about housing good stuff so we're gonna talk about that that's gonna be one of my main focus points a couple other things uh did you read the uh boeing 737 max the 737 max is cleared for flying flying again the faa cleared it and i want to talk about pfizer and moderna pfizer versus moderna their, their um, just briefly, their uh, uh, their vaccine. Warren Buffett, did you see he made a big bet spending $5.7 billion on investments? I'll talk about what he, where he put that money. Okay. Um, and when to get out of the stock market? When do you get out of it? You know, there's the reasons to get out. Maybe not today, but there are reasons. So we're going to talk about those things, everybody. But first, we got to take the calls. Here's a call that came in early from Stockton, California. Hi, Steve and Justin. This is Justin from Stockton, California. And I had a question about XOM, ExxonMobil. And I've been following it for a little while. I've been paying attention to 
how it's been with the vaccine news, it's been really uh, accelerating upwards. And obviously, there's a lot of room to go either direction. You know, it could be just the buy the rumor, sell the news issue. But I just wanted to get your take on it. If it was, uh, if you guys thought it had a lot of potential for upside, or if this is just a short-term move upward, and if I should hold off for a while. Thanks. Okay, let's talk about oil. Let's talk about oil production, rig count, demand for oil products. And in the news, everybody's talking about, oh, we got to go to clean energy. We got to go to clean energy. I'm not opposed to clean energy. I want to go to clean energy. But if you step back for a minute and be realistic about it, oil is going to be with us for more decades. Decades. So there's going to be opportunities. Should ExxonMobil be trading at where it is at thirty-seven dollars and twenty-one cents? What is it? What does it normally trade at? What's what are some of the numbers? Okay, so we know that because of the COVID and the shutdown worldwide, demand for oil, gasoline, any those any of the airline fuel, all stopped, shrank to mostly nothing, and of course that's going to hurt companies like ExxonMobil. And they fell down all the way to around $30 back in March. Then they retested it about $31 here not too long ago. Now it's at $37.21. I think you'd be a buyer. When the, P, when the dividend was at 10% and the P.E. ratio was, you know, historically low, okay, um, and the earnings are, have got crushed, I'm going to be low, Lose thirty-seven cents this year, make a dollar fifty next year. When their earnings are normally in the three to seven dollars a year range, it's going to go back to there. When it does, the stock will be a lot higher. Simple as that. I would be a buyer ExxonMobil. Matter of fact, we own ExxonMobil in our managed account. I own it in my uh, personal I four hundred one k. I mean, I own it in my IRA. I own it in my accounts I manage for my clients because I buy the same thing for them. I got more ExxonMobil than I probably should. But I'm not selling it. So that's what I think. Okay? I think I've made myself pretty clear. I'm pretty low-key about it, so don't push real hard. But I do think it's important to remind listeners that here on Talk. And at my company, KPP Financial, based in Irvine, California, that we operate with a philosophy of independent thinking and share success. Now, what, what does that mean for listeners and clients? What do I mean? Well, I'm unbiased guidance. We don't buy you know, someone else's information to buy or sell stocks. And parallel investing, what I just mentioned is I buy what I buy for myself. I buy for my clients in, in the same accounts that they do. I buy it for the same price, same percentage. I invest in strategies, so I, the strategies I have, I implement them for myself. I, I do the same thing for me. So you can also take advantage of our free offer, a portfolio review assessment. Be happy to take a look at your portfolio. We can do it by telephone, Skype, or Jive meetings, or email, however you want to do it. We'll do it. You can send me a message through investtalk.com, an email message. You can call my, my office, KPP Financial in Irvine. And there's no obligation of any kind, never has. You talk to anybody who's done this, they'll say, yeah, it was a pretty painless little operation and they didn't push me. I don't push people into anything. Push products. We can help you, though. That's what we do. 
Now, looking at the clock, I can see we can squeeze in another question before the break. Let's do that. 888-99-CHART. Hi, Steve or Justin. Really like the program. My question is on CVS. If you think it's a good buy right here, or should I not purchase uh, this stock? Just wanted to know your thoughts. Thank you. Now, this stock was also, I got an email on the same kind of question about Walgreens and CVS. And the question uh, that came in was about Amazon announcing their intention to enter the pharmaceutical business. So your, your question is also related. Do you want to know about CVS, but you can't ignore Amazon's threat? Because every time they get into some kind of business, any kind of business, it is a threat to the establishment and CVS being one of the establishment. Now, having said that, I don't think Amazon's going to take over CVS or Walgreens or anybody else. You, you're going to have to treat it just as another competitor, okay, and look at the fundamentals of CVS, which are very strong. They're going to earn $7.41 this year, $7.53 next year. It's a $66 stock, so it's training about 8 PE, and the five-year PE is 7 to 20. Very good return on equity, 15%. It's very big, $86 billion, and plays a 3% dividend. So do you buy this stock here? Well, let's, looking at a chart, is this a good place? It looks like it hit resistance. It popped up to 73, 74, which was the high before COVID, and then starting to come back down now at 66. So it has a lot of overhead resistance. Uh, it looks like it could go down to the high 50s, it could, because that's where there's a lot of support. I mean, it doesn't want to go down there. So i probably wait for a few days to see if it returns to uh, some strength, and I'd be a buyer of it. I think it's a good company to own. Okay? 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. This is Invest Talk. We do this every day, Monday through Friday, at the 4 o'clock hour Pacific time, 4 to 5. You can also listen to us live on the Internet at investtalk.com every day or you can podcast you know we download our podcast you can listen to us there too so please tell your family friends neighbors strangers everybody you ever come across okay 888-99-CHART now is a good time to call InvestTalk I had a question on my 401k. We're here for you. What's your question? 888-99-CHART is how to reach Steve right now on InvestTalk You can get your free InvestTalk podcast downloads anytime at iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or InvestTalk.com. Be sure to tell your friends and family members about InvestTalk and encourage them to listen, rate, and review. 888-99-CHART. Chart, we're going to go talk to Emilios in San Francisco. How are you doing, Emilios? Uh, hello, sir. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for the call. I do appreciate it. Absolutely. Absolutely. I wanted to ask you regarding CCI, if you uh, was thinking about buying it. Well, I kind of, I, I, I like the, where it is. CCI, everybody, is Crown Castle International. It's a REIT, real estate investment trust, that owns wireless towers in the U.S., Australia, Puerto Rico, for wireless service providers. It's one of those really steady companies. It's going to make $6.09 this year, $6.72 next year. It made $5.66 last year. 
consistent, 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 and pays a 3.1% dividend. Now, will it skyrocket up on you and do a great... No, it won't. Uh, it will probably continue rising. I can see that. Now, the only negative, little negative we have here is it has a lot of debt and sales growth is Out. flat. Sales growth is flat. But it pays that dividend and it will continue to do so. I, I, I just think it's a little pricey, but if you were patient, you could buy it in here at 170 bucks. you know, where it is. It was up big today, 2.6%. It's not going anywhere, and it's a solid company. If you ever get it to bounce down, you know, like it did in the COVID era, I mean, I wish I was smarter. I would have picked this up because COVID wasn't going to affect this. As a matter of fact, it might, the only effect that it would have would be positive, not negative. So it got down to 115 bucks. Now it's back to 170. So it's it might be a little late, Emilios. Might be, okay. But it's a good solid company. My focus point today concerns the story: home builder confidence in November breaks the record high. Home builder confidence. These are builders. They really feel positive on the market, on the housing market. And why? Well, one reason is historical low mortgage rates, good demographics. You know, everybody, you know, and now people are moving out of the cities again back to suburbia. That's good for the home builders. So home builder confidence is very, very high, especially for single family homes. And they soared, you know, the sales are going up. And I know uh, the permits came out today, it's new, and uh, home starts were high, 1.5 million permits, 1.5 million. Very good numbers. So that bodes well for the future. I mean, housing is really strong and very supportive of our economy. Remember what drives our economy is the consumer. Consumer willing to spend money. And a, an indication of that consumer willing to spend money is how confident they are about buying a house, taking on a mortgage. And whenever new houses are sold, there's usually more money spent on the house. Fix it up, buy new furniture, whatever. And it's cumulative. Now, retail sales in October were up just a little bit. So you can tell by the retail sales numbers that our recovery is slowed dramatically. The question is, if they reshut down the, econ the economy in various states, how bad is that going to hurt? And you know we're doing it here in California. They're trying to shut down things. There a lot of people are not very happy about it. I'm one of them, I must admit. I, I really am one of them. Uh, but be that as it may, if we shut down the economy again, this you know it's going to really cause the consumer to close up that wallet. They need the job. They need to work. You know who gets hurt the most when they shut down the economy? It's the small businessmen. Do you know who employs the most people in the United States? Small business companies. Small business. Not large. So they're the ones that get hurt the worst, and the people that work for them get hurt the worst. The big companies. Anyways, that's what I'm concerned about. I think housing is going to be very good for the next, I don't know, months because the interest rates are going to stay very low. The Fed is going to keep them there. Not going to be raising interest rates. They can't. They won't. 
And remember, they've already kind of told us they're going to let inflation run. And we still don't have inflation yet. We don't have much of it. Got small hints of it, but not enough to cause any kind of concerns. So they're going to leave interest rates very low for a pretty long time. You know, so I think that's very, that's a very good scenario for housing. Okay. Now, low interest rates for borrowers typically mean low rates for savers as well. Banks are not paying you much. Where do you park your money? Where do you put your money? You know, that's one of the reasons why people come into the stock market, right or wrong. You know, they get, they're getting be kind of pushed. The average rate paid, uh, the average rate paid by banks on basic federally insured savings accounts, known as the annual percentage rate, was around 0.05%. That means you make $2.50 on $5,000 in savings a year. A year. Oh, that's just terrible. Anyway, the savings rate is pretty high, though. People are still saving money. 888 99 We have a trivia question. Okay, when in which, as we go to break, here's the two-part trivia question. When did the concept of insurance first appear as a packaged business product in America? And who was the famous person that co-founded America's first insurance company? I'll have the answer after the break. But for now, my phone lines are open, and I encourage you to give me a call. 888-99-CHART. Let's say you've been thinking about learning a new language. Okay, why? I mean, how would it come in handy? And where would you want to use it? Could it be that you have an upcoming international trip? Or maybe you want to connect with family members or friends from a different culture? I think you should know about Rosetta Stone. With millions of users, it's been the world's most trusted language learning program for 30 years. Rosetta Stone is available on your desktop or as an app with audio companion and the ability to download lessons offline. Rosetta Stone truly immerses you in the language you want to learn. It has a built-in, patented speech recognition engine called True Accent. So as you practice speaking, you'll get feedback on how well you pronounce words. With Rosetta Stone, you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. It's an intuitive process designed for long-term retention. You really learn to speak, listen, and think in your new language. Rosetta Stone is an amazing value, so your special skill set is within easy reach. You know you want to do this, so... Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, InvestTalk listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off now at rosettastone.com today. At this point, I think almost everyone has heard how generative AI promises to bring us to the next industrial revolution. AI is already shaping society with an impact on daily life that echoes the transformative significance of electricity or the internet. As we take steps to embrace the potential of generative AI, we need to remain vigilant with regard to its exploitability. This is where HackerOne 
comes in. HackerOne's AI Red Team addresses the novel challenges of AI safety and security for businesses that are launching new AI deployments. The HackerOne approach involves targeted offensive testing by harnessing the collective skills of ethical hackers who are proficient in AI and prompt hacking. In short, AI red teaming is the practice of stress testing AI models and deployments to make sure they can't be tricked into providing information beyond their intended use, and that security flaws can't be exploited to access confidential data or systems. HackerOne seamlessly integrates with your existing tools to enhance communication and collaboration across development, security, and IT teams. So, stay ahead of the game in the battle against cyber threats with HackerOne's Attack Resistance Platform. Learn more at HackerOne.com. That's H-A-C-K-E-R-O-N-E.com. HackerOne.com. You are listening to Invest Talk. Every Friday on the program and the podcast, Steve Peasley shares highlights from the newest edition of the KPP Premium Newsletter. Listen Fridays to Invest Talk. And now, Steve and Justin welcome your calls and questions. 888 99Chart. Okay, I had a trivia question before the break. When. When did the concept of insurance, and in what year, I'm talking about the year, the concept of insurance first appear as a packaged business product in America? And who was the famous person that co-founded America's first insurance company? Now, as you know, insurance is pretty much everyday lives in all our lives these days, right? But throughout much of our colonial period, that just was, there was no insurance. There was no, there was, the concept of per- purchasing insurance first arrived in American landscape just before or just about the same time as the idea of a single nation, the United States, began to form. The first insurance company in the U.S. dated back to colonial days, and that is, uh, that is the days before the United States was officially organized. It was named the Philadelphia Contribution Ship. Philadelphia Contribution Ship. That was the name of the company. And it was co-founded by Benjamin Franklin in 1752. It was in Philadelphia, one of the largest cities in North America with 15,000 residents. The city at the time, many the, any big cities that were at the time, was, there was a big, huge fear of fire. And fire departments and insurance companies really worked hand-in-hand hand back then. And so, because the houses were all made of wood and they were pretty condensed so fire was a big worry, big worry about it. Of course, of course, you know, Benjamin Franklin, you know, was one of our founders, of course. The insurance industry, the insurance industry hasn't always been fair and square. In the late 1800s, various scandals and dubious practices rocketed the young insurance industry. People, there was lots of ripoff, scams, okay? Now, under the McLaren-Ferguson Act in 1945, not that long ago, insurance companies were made exempt from most federal regulations and were instead subject to state law. Throughout the U.S. history, the types of insurance offered have expanded. We got now what? Life insurance, car insurance, disability insurance. It was mostly just fire insurance when it first started. Okay, so that's what, there's some information about insurance. 
That was one of my first. I, I started my career in insurance. I, I worked nine years in insurance in New York City and worked for some of the larger companies back there. And each one of them, each one of the big companies, they have little museums about the insurance. They have all these old-timey stuff, fire department stuff. It's kind of interesting. Okay, today I, I got to keep moving. I just there's no stopping, right? We got to go. Uh, so let's go straight back to the Invest Talk Voice Bank for a call that came in earlier from our listener line in Virginia. Hey, Stephen Justin, my name is Jake from Virginia. I'm calling just for my research. I've seen a lot of people kind of say we're going to hit a period of inflation. Some people saying we're going to hit a period of deflation. Some people think the market has some room to grow. Other people are kind of saying the market is going to hit a two-year period of down market. And so just going to see what your input on that was, um, what you kind of see with the short-term and the long-term aspect that the market is. Looking forward to the answer. Bye. Okay. I Yes, I agree with everything you said. The market's going to go up. The market's going to go down. We're going to have inflation. We're going to have deflation. It's all about periods of time. When? Over what period of time? Over long periods of time, the market goes up. Simple as that. Now, how do you now make it, uh, try to get a, an accurate count as to what's going to happen next year or the year after? Then it becomes much more difficult. Are we going to have inflation? The odds of inflation are much, much better than deflation at this stage. Why? Because we're spending so much money. The government is spending money. What makes money worth less? Printing lots of money. Print, print, print. What if the government doubled the number of dollars in circulation? What if they had 10 times the number of dollars in circulation right now? They just started print, 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 print all the money. Would that paper money buy the same thing? Or would the value of that paper money go down? The value would go down. See, when you print, so it's a money, think about that. Are we printing money now? Yes, we're printing money like crazy because the government's spending it. And they're borrowing the money. Print, print, print. That's inflationary. So do stock markets go up during inflationary times? Generally, they do better inflationary times because they can always raise their prices, can't they? Companies can raise their prices. That starts a cycle of inflation. So your odds are stronger that that's going to happen. And I think a recovery, COVID, vaccines is going to be very beneficial to the stock. They're going to spend more money. Simple as that. Okay, Okay. so Boeing 737 MAX has been cleared for flying by the FAA. That was 20 months of a review. 20 months, almost two years. Remember, uh, they grounded them because of two crashes, in, one in 2018 and one in 2019, that killed 346 people. Well, now it's going to be back in the skies. Also, Pfizer versus Moderna, both of them have effective... Uh, vaccines, 95% effective. Now, 95%, to give you a scale, the FDA is really looking for about a 60% bar. If it's more than 60%, they're going to approve it. These are 95%. That's just much better. Much, much better. Okay, so what's the problem with the vaccines? Well, one thing we have a problem with the uh, Visors because it needs to be extra cold. So that's a problem. But they're also working out a powder on a powder form. Need to be cold. 
And don't think just because they're getting approval or fast track approval on this stuff, they're not nearly done testing. They will continue to test. It will take another year before the tests are completed. They're just trying to get fast track approval because we need it. The world needs it. Okay, so those are the things going on. Um, What else should I tell you? Before the hour's up, I want to talk about Warren Buffett and what he's spending $5.7 billion on. Talk about that. A couple other things also. You're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley, and I encourage you to explore the financial and investment information I have posted on our website at investtalk.com. I would appreciate it. You can learn more about the various investment strategies we have at KPP Financial. Uh, One of our programs, I have about five or six programs. One's called Dynamic Growth, and it's a stock program. Uh, It's all stock, all about growth. That's why we call it dynamic growth, trying to optimize our returns. We, it's a very strongly diversified portfolio. We don't overload on any one thing, any one sector, any one stock. We just don't. So if you're serious about achieving financial freedom, maybe you should reach out to us. Reach out to me or Justin Klein at KPP Financial. There are more. Go to investtalk.com. I'd appreciate it. Investtalk.com. Two T's in there. Investtalk.com. Now I'm taking your questions live, 888-99-CHART. Our InvestTalk mission is to help you make better investing decisions. To do that on your own, thumbs up or thumbs down choices based on good, solid investing principles. But we need your questions to keep us on track. 888-99-CHART or click on Contact Steve or Contact Justin on InvestTalk.com. Hi, Stephen Justin. This is Lisa from North Carolina. I'm calling about Pfizer's spinoff Viatris, ticker symbol VTRS. I was just wondering if you could explain what a spinoff is and how it should be managed, or this particular one, managed as an investor in terms of buying more, selling it, or just holding. Thank you, and I appreciate what you guys do. Okay, Pfizer, uh, spun off VRTS. And VRTS developed generic and branded drugs for the treatment of central nervous system cardiovascular diseases. Okay? So what happens is a company grows, right? It grows bigger and bigger and bigger. And they get to a size or they take on different parts of their industry or even maybe buying or growing a whole new business. And what they'll do is every so often spin off some of these other outlawing businesses that are not their main business, okay? So that's, and what they do is they take, they figure out what their earnings for this, earnings was for this business, the cost for this business, and whether they make money or not. They separate that out, and they spin it off to a new company. Now, they may spin off all of it, in other words, 100%, and have a, basically a, a new IPO for this company, or they might retain a bunch of the stock when they spin it off. So if you are owner of Pfizer and they spin off a piece, or if owner of any company, they spin off a piece of that company, the initial company, Pfizer, will go down in price for the amount of money or the price of the spinoff. So now you have two companies instead of one equaling the same amount of value you had before, now the separate company trades on its own, and Pfizer will trade like it was before. A good example of this is uh, McDonald's. McDonald's started Chipotle. 
Now, McDonald's a hamburger store, right? I'm a hamburger, fast food, hamburger place. There, there wasn't Mexican. Mexican food wasn't McDonald's forte. But they started a company inside their company called Chipotle. Got very big, successful. They spun it off. And McDonald's still owns, I think, a large chunk of Chipotle. So that's what the spinoff. Now, is this a good spinoff? Did you own it? You have to look at the fundamentals of the company. Okay, what what do they do? How much, uh, what's their growth rate? What, those kinds of things. Same like you would investigate any company. Okay, and this one is VTRS. VTRS. Every now and then we get digital currency questions. There's definitely listener interest. So let's play this next call. I will hey give guys, you- Chris from New Jersey. I just got a question regarding a new value of assets, the blockchain world. I want to know what you guys think about getting into that and what you guys think the potential of it over the next few years is. And just wondering where it's going to go. I have a little bit invested into it. Just wondering if you guys think it's a smart idea. Thank you. Bye. No one knows, no one knows where this currency, digital currency is going to do. No one knows where it's going to go. There's no way to value it. You have no way to compare it. Is it what it's worth? All you can do is compare it with itself. Because what does a current, how do you value a currency? What makes an American U.S. dollar uh, a uh, reserve currency? What? Stability of the economy, the size of our economy, the growth of our economy, you know, the the implementation, you know exactly what you're buying. You have the rule of law that's fairly treated everybody. And, of course, I know you can complain about that. That's not true. But it generally is true. You go to any other country. Go to any country in South America. Go to countries in Asia and even in Europe. You know, we That's what makes our dollar the reserve currency. It's what we think it's worth, what everybody else thinks it's worth. So what is a... Uh, what is a blockchain currency worth? What what is a what is it? I can't tell you. What's Bitcoin worth? No one knows. You can say, well, it did trade at twenty thousand dollars per coin, you know, two years ago, four years ago, and now is it going to go back to that? It'll be higher now. How, how do you know? It's a guess, everybody. It's gambling. I don't know. I don't think it's just dis- going to disappear. I don't. But I still don't know how to evaluate it, so I wouldn't invest. It. Okay. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. Okay, Warren Buffett. Warren Buffett invested $5.7 billion in this most recent uh, quarter, and he put a big bet on pharmaceutical companies. $1.8 billion each in AbbVie and Bristol-Myers and Merck. Merck. He put $136 million in Pfizer. So he put some... Big bets on the pharmaceutical area of the market. Remember, Warren Buffett is a deep value investor. He sees good value in these kinds of stocks right now. He generally is very patient. He has lots of money that he can put to work that he hasn't put into work in recent years, waiting for opportunities. So I guess he sees opportunities here. What's interesting, I noticed that he sold quite a bit of Costco company, sold quite a bit of Berkshire Hathaway's holding the telescope. Don't know why. Didn't say. But that's what he's doing with his money. You know, healthcare area. Okay? 
Okay, 888.99 chart. When we get, uh, when to get out of the stock market? When do you get out? People get out for various reasons. Some people panic out. Some people get out because, you know, a lot of people, when they switch out of an old 401k into an IRA, you have to go to cash. There's, there's a reason that you have to get out of the market. But if you didn't have to get out of the market, what's, what do you, how do you decide when to get out? It's hard because you, most people invariably get out right at the bottom of the market. They get out after it's gone down. And then they get in, in after it's gone up. you got to avoid that kind of timing. You don't need to time the market. There's no need. It has been proven over and over and over again. It fails. And if you've been investing in the market and you've tried to do that, I guarantee you that you have failed, and you probably already have. So you don't do it that way. That's not how, no, you don't use, well, I'm going to get out because I just feel it's overvalued. I'm going to get out because, you know, I think it's going to go down. You don't know. No one knows. I don't know. You can, you can hedge your bets, but if you hedge your bets, you should hedge them on the upside all the time. You're going to be in the market. Hedge them on the upside because that's the general direction of the market over the last 150 years, I don't know, forever. Since it's been around. So, there are ways to decide when to get out, though. There are same things you can do. There are. And I'm going to tell you a couple of them to get back here. I will. On the next Invest Talk, Invest Talk, a story. Is America's $68 trillion wealth transfer evaporating? What are we talking about, wealth transfer? According to the U.S. Small Business Administration, let's... We'll talk about that. 888, that's going to be tomorrow. 888 chart. This is Invest Talk. Is your portfolio balanced? Is it optimized? Is it delivering the types of gains you want and need to achieve financial freedom? Well, turn up the volume because there are many questions that deserve unbiased answers. And Steve Peasley is here now, ready to take your calls live. 888-99-CHART. Okay, before the break, I asked, uh, when do you know how, how, what point to get out of the market, the stock market? How do you know when? When? How do you get out? When? Well, in the 1920s, John F. Kennedy's father said he knew it was time to get out of the stock market when he, he was getting tips of buying stocks from a shoeshine boy. I knew myself in 1999 that something was really off when my 17-year-old nephew said he's going to trade stocks. He's going to do day trading for a living. 17-year-old. Didn't know, didn't know anything. I was going to use a bad word there. Didn't know a thing about it. So, that's one way. Looking around and saying, this is not right. Something is very, very wrong. Like I can give you an example today. Tesla is going to be added to the S&P 500. Tesla, the valuations on a car company are so... Do you realize Tesla's valuation is larger than the three next largest car companies? 
GM, Toyota, Volkswagen. You put those two together, Tesla's still bigger than them. All three. Is that a sign that the market is crazy? Maybe not. Here's another way you'd know when to get out of the market. When you get to an age that you start needing this money to live on, you know you need to cut way back of your exposure to the stock market because the stock market can be cut in half. It will cut in 37% this year in, in a month. And if you need that money, you're starting to spend it in retirement and you need it. You need to cut way back your stock market exposure. It's that simple. It's not rocket science, people. It's not. Uh, but to actually time the market, it's impossible. You can't. You know, people think, oh, geez, you know, for for instance, on this election, people thought that, well, if, if, if Biden wins, I need to get out of the market. Why? There's no reason. There's no reason. But I know people who got out of the market because he, he won. Makes no sense. If you know anything about the market, the market's done much better in a Democratic president than a Republican president over the years. If you know anything about Democrats, they generally spend money a certain way, where Republicans spend money a different way. But they both spend. So, there's no reason just because of that. So, so you're trying to guess what the market's going to do. It's just impossible. Okay. If we move quickly, maybe I can squeeze in one more caller. 888-99-CHART. Hi, Steve and Justin. This is Robert. I'm from uh, San Antonio, Texas area. And I'm calling in on a question with a uh, stock that I'm looking to dollar cost average in entry. Bought my first 20 shares today at 2568. The stock is Iron Mountain, ticker symbol IRM. I have it in a, a tax deferred brokerage IRA account and I'm managing my own account. So I'm looking to add a little position on it. Looks like it pays a good dividend, and I'd be interested on your thoughts on adding the stock. Thank you. Appreciate it. Okay, Iron Mountain, IRM, uh, is a mid-cap company trying to be larger, provides record management, data protection, and information destruction. I do like that sector. It's growing its earnings. It didn't slow down from COVID. pays a 9.6% dividend, 9.6% dividend. But the sales are flat. So it's a good, solid company to own for the dividend. That's about it. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have any other. It's not going to grow. Or it hasn't grown, to, to put it that way. Um, so, unless they come up with something that makes us feel better. Okay? I'm Steve Peasley, everybody, and this completes another Investop program. Another day, another day down. I will return Friday with highlights from the new KPP new premium newsletter that I send out every Friday to all clients and all subscribers. In the meantime, please tell your friends and family members that they can listen to our podcast. There's over 100 of them archived. You can download it from InvestTalk, uh, InvestTalk, Google, iTunes, Spotify. So please do that, InvestTalk.com. And remember to review and rate us. That would be very helpful. We like that if you have the time. Please be sure to tell your friends as well. Remember, we stream live every day, 4 to 5 Pacific time. You can listen to it live on InvestTalk.com. Independent thinking, share success. This is InvestTalk. Good night, everybody. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. 
Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is President and Justin Klein Chief Executive Officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART. 